Welcome back to part two of the podcast. Um, yeah, come on, come on, come on. I think we all agree that that will never happen. Um, that was a good first half. We're going to start the second half a wee bit differently. We've got Emily Capel here. He's good. Hey. Where can we find your works of art? Oh, uh, you can find it on my website which is www.emilycapel.com, one P, two R's. But I'm always in the uh, kick up the R's as well. I like Dave Thomas is really cool. And whereabouts do you sit at Rangers in? I sit in the JU block. Hey, anyone else from here? Yay. Anyone from G block? Yeah. Oh, God, this is awkward. <laughs> G. He's G. I'm JU. Yeah. This sounds like a really bad 70s show. Right, so Emily... What's, what's the song you're going to sing for us then? I wrote you lot a QPR song. <laughs> this is my third QPR song I've ever written. Because I, so, I just was saying that I'm, I call myself friends or soulmates with Joey Barton. Because, no, hang on, come on, guys. <laughs> because he, uh, he sent me a tweet and it was the best... Second best moment of my life after I met Mick Jones in the Clash, who's also a oh, QPR fan. Right. And, uh, and so Joey sent me this tweet, so I was like, oh, I'll write him a song. So I did, and it sort of backfired because he doesn't really want to really be my best mate anymore because it's a bit weird. And then my friend Al had a 50th birthday, and he made me write him a QPR song. And then you guys asked me to come down, so I've not even recycled. I've literally gone from the top and written it again. So, brilliant. And it's not, uh, it's not, you know, the referee, referees or anchor or anything. Am I allowed to say that on the podcast? I think you just did. Sorry. David Fraser swore as far war. The referee is a big poo. Thank you. No, I think you're right the first time. Okay. <laughs> Can we have a big round of applause for Emily for coming down and singing the song? First of all, I would always come down. Walk away. Yeah. Okay. I am a QPR fan. I was even a junior R. We had the championships and the playoffs, and we had Bobby Zamora. But things got pretty boozed up for us when we had Harry Redknapp Sawney. And it felt like it was over when we lost Charlie. It was pretty awful to watch as we had the Premier League unfold, especially with the lack of leg room we've got at Loftus Road. And I won't ask for my money back, not with Jimmy Void Hasselbank, because West London is who we are. We're the super hoops. We're QPR. Oh, Clint Hill, you're such a thrill. I really love it when you kiss your badge and lead us out on the field and in the loft. We love you lots. 
but Jimmy start with Washington Cause I think he could take us up There's only one decent German out there But Sebastian Poulter needs to sort out his hair I do miss Joey Now there's Carl Henry on the ball And when it goes past him At least we've got Grant Hall Oh Cherry Cherry baby How could I forget ya If he keeps scoring he'll take us up And we could be the next Leicester Adam Anua I'll never boo ya But stop putting the ball in the back of our net Where's Butterfingers Green gone has he left with a blue and the white hoops the only west london club and we say f you chelsea because the r's are going up Personally, from my point of view, I would have preferred if you said, fuck you, Chelsea. But oh. <laughs> well done. Thank you so much for coming down and doing that. Any, Seriously. Anytime, obviously. Thank Make that your ringtone. Give us a couple of minutes whilst we move everyone else around. Thank you, Emily. Thank you. I, <laughs> this is really bad. I forgot. A, a, a thank you, and my mum will kill me if I don't say it. I forgot to thank my brothers, <laughs> <laughs> who do quite a lot for the podcast. So, so Ben and Richard, who does all the web stuff and all that. So, thank you, thank you, thank you, then, thank you, Emily, and. Okay, so this is part two of part two of the QPR podcast. First of all, another round of applause for Emily and her song there. And we're now joined in the second part by massive, massive fans' favourite. No exaggeration to say that. Played with distinction for the club um, over three different spells, over... Uh, I don't know what it was, ten, uh, five, seven years, something like that, but also a massive QPR fan. Um, give it up, everybody, for Lee Cook. Okay, first question, very serious question, this. Uh, your hair. Yeah. Um, back in those days, I thought you were a natural bond, um, but clearly you're not. No, I'm not. I've always been dark. So, so why, why explain that? You did explain this to me earlier. But it, it, why the hair dye back in the but, day? Uh, one, well, two words. David Beckham. David Beckham. You wanted to look like David. Yeah, I thought I was. I thought I was David Beckham. <laughs> yeah. I was left footed and he was right footed. But and that's why I used to cross the ball a lot. I used to like the way I used to whip it in. So I thought I'd get the same haircut, same football boots. Do you so know I what? Tried I, to copy I, his technique. And um, yeah, a bit of a bit of a minge really for doing that. But, <laughs> uh, never mind. Lee, to be fair, I did the same thing with Martin O'Neill. It didn't work out so well. Uh, Lee, you are still playing, or you were still playing for, yeah. for Eastleigh. Yeah, I've still been playing the last couple of years. I was at Barnet last year and Eastleigh this season. Still seeing it out, so got about a year left, I imagine. And well, uh, given that you're still playing. Is, do you still look for the QPR result at 10 to 5 on a Saturday? Yeah. Is, is, it, is it the first result that you look for? 
I've got down three times this year when I've not had a game or it's been a midweek game I could shoot down to. I'm coming down this Saturday. Obviously, my season's finished now. So um, if anyone wants a Jager bomb, go in the crown and set to about three o'clock. I'll be in there. <laughs> Drinks are on you. And for the, from those three, appear, three games that you've seen and probably a handful on the telly, what's your verdict on the season? Um, well, I think Emily summed up quite well in the song, really. I thought, that was, thought I was bang on the money. But no, seriously, I watched the three games. I think the best one I came to was Ipswich at home, uh, which I thought we actually played really well there. Um, and I thought after that things would get better um, but they didn't seem to uh, I don't really blame that on the manager I think it's going to be a long process for him to, to turn this around and I think we've got to give him time what? If you were the manager what, would you, what, what things would you put in place for the start of next season? Well, well obviously there's going to be a massive clear out that's, that's for sure um, a big turnaround the players and I think it's the, the type of player that we're going to bring in is going to be the important factor. And I think he's, he's the right manager that's going to bring the right players in. Um, obviously, he, he draws respect because of what he's done in the game and who he is. So I think whoever he signs, the players are going to respect him straight away. Um, but obviously, the transfer market this summer is going to be huge for us. Massive. Um, how, how much of a difference does that make when you have... Um like a manager like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank like for players or you know I mean do, do players like join clubs because of the manager a lot oh yeah I think so um, obviously when we signed Connor Washington he, he, being a forward I imagine he was double excited to sign with him being the manager because you can learn so much of, off of them and I've seen him I've seen him at work Hasselbank I was up at Forest for two weeks and I was really impressed with him and McLaren fought a lot of him as well and um, I just think he needs time because he's kind of inherited a, a bad sort of team where the team morale's not great and you can just tell it's not good he needs time to turn it around and I think he's the right man to do it um, just quickly saying ladies and gentlemen uh, for those who aren't here we've just been joined by Kevin Gallen hello mate so you two together uh, when you play together a lot of people go on about Leicester's team spirit and how that's carried them over the line this season for me, as a uh, as a fan, that seemed to be the same same team spirit that was in evidence when you two played. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Um, I think the first season I joined was when uh, Kevin the boys got promoted up into the championship. Uh, we came eleventh. Um, the highest paid player was, you know, not not on much at all. We probably had the lowest budget in the division, um, and we finished eleventh. And at one stage, we were third, I think, after twenty five, twenty six games, and. It was it was a tight team spirit, and I think that was mainly the reason we were there because we can't the quality we we were lacking a little bit in certain places and we fizzled out in the end. But for us to finish eleventh that season, first season in the championship in a while, and um, I think that was mainly down to the spirit. No, definitely um, the spirit over the those 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 few years was was really good. It was you know um, what Ian Holloway did. He, he he created a good spirit, but what he did, he was very. Um, very smart in his recruitment and bringing players in the right sort of the right sort of type. And uh, I remember the first sort of day when I came back for, from uh, when I got signed back again. He, he actually pulled me. He said, "Kevin, there's sort of there's a bit of a click going on. There's there's two sides." He said, "Don't get involved in either. Just be down the middle and just try and bring the other lads with you." They were sort of their younger a younger uh, group and an older group and they weren't getting on that great and he said don't don't 
we need to get this sorted. So over those few years, and obviously the promotion team was, uh, you know, the year before even the playoff, the playoff, and unfortunately we didn't win. But those sort of few months from like, I think it was maybe February to the end of the season, we we really were really good. And we were winning games. And then we sort of carried it on. To, and Cookie joined that summer. And we carried it on. And at one stage, I, I remember we, we played... Uh, <laughs> I was thinking about it today. But when we played Stoke, mm. I was fortunate to score. Yeah. And the Birchie got um, yeah. Jerry Taggart sent, sent off. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> he, always, he always denies it. But I always remember that uh, going, in the ch- going in at half-time, he was waiting. Akinbai, he was waiting. They had Gift and No Williams. Williams. They had like yeah. we had some big lads. They had some real big lads. We had a couple. We I think we had Clark and um, me, Curo. And, <laughs> we had uh, Curo, uh, Rosie, and uh, and Lee uh, Rollins. So I just remember going in that, going in the tunnel, and just pushing Danny Shitter. Go, go on, Dan. <laughs> go on. So. Uh, I remember poor Rosie got gripped up against the wall. And I remember yeah. that because it, we, it was a massive rumble, wasn't it? Yeah, Do you remember? it was a big rumble. It was a big yeah. rumble just before we got into the... You, you had to go walk right down to the corner. But if you've ever been to Stoke, it's not at the halfway line. It's down nearby the away end. And they were all waiting for us. Jerry Taylor. I mean, Jerry Taylor's the absolute unit. I was, just, <laughs> I was shitting myself just looking at it. I was like, oh, God. And so I remember it. And I walked in and Ian Holloway went... What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? And then we went, we're just fucking sticking up for ourselves. And he went, yeah, fucking brilliant. <laughs> and then, uh, and, I, and then I remember walking out with Birchie as we're coming out for the second half, and Jerry Taggart's now came out. Of the, we had to walk past their, their change room, and Jerry Taggart's now got a towel around him, and the shoulders are like you wouldn't believe. And he's like, he's saying to Birchie. You're a marked man. You're a marked man. <laughs> and I looked at Bertie and went, oh my God, you're getting it. And <laughs> How scared was he? Though? He, oh, proper, he was proper, proper and he went up. And Bertie was such a pussy that day. And he was like, no, I was having him, I was having yeah. him. No, and he went, I didn't do anything. I went, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not getting involved with him. And we ended up winning uh, 1-0. Yeah. And we went, I think we went joint. We went seven on the spin, I think. Yeah, and we were jumping about because our bonuses that yeah, yeah, we our bonuses were were quite good if you got into the top two, and we got in the top two for and we were just jumping about about yeah, we got the bonus, we're top two. (laughs) (laughs) No, but like Cookie said, it was um, good team, really good team spirit, good lads all pulling together, and and he's right, we we finished eleventh, we sort of we were like third or whatever, but we ran out of steam because our subs bench weren't as good as the other teams. And if you haven't got people get injured, people lose form. And if you ain't got any others coming in to replace and to just to keep it going, you suffer. But it was a good season in the end. That, that period, the kind of early 2000s, you know, for that sort of four or five years, we've had a lot of players from that team and era on the podcast you two have been kind enough to join us a couple of times, and Gino Padula and Chris Day and various others. There really seems to be almost like a glue that kind of binds all of you and that there was an incredible team spirit. Describe what that was to us, and is that the kind of tightest group of lads that you've been with in, in your careers in football? Yeah, I think so. We just got on so well, didn't we? We socialised quite a lot together. Um, 
we'd often Ollie used to make sure we'd have one team bonding session a month where we'd either go go karting and then go out drinking together. And I don't really think you get that in, anymore not these at the days. Same time. <laughs> no, not at the same time. No. <laughs> But yeah, we used to do it once a month and we used to have a great laugh, didn't we? Even when the new players come in, I remember when Steve Lomas signed and the first, he, he wasn't quiet, but I mean, the first night out, he got a few Guinnesses down his throat and then we was like, blimey, how lively is he? And then after that, it, it was a different man. It was, just, yeah, so, it was like coming to training and I think he was still drunk when he came yeah. in. Yeah, no, no, we sort of, I remember Ian Holloway got a committee. It was... Um, at the time, I think I was captain. It was me, and then it was like another older player, and then a younger player. So sort of, and we sort of said, "Look, we need to get every Tuesday, once a month, or once every six weeks." Like we said, try and get something bowl it, whatever, a night out, and and it, and it sort of worked. And even if we had a bad time, we always sort of thought to us, "Well, we never lose after a night out." It was one yeah. of those. We yeah. ne- we've never lost after a night out. So if we went through a little sticky patch, let's have a night out. That will sort it all out. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was good. Uh, Ian, Ian was uh, he was very good for team spirit. Uh, yeah. He was very bubbly. Obviously, everyone knows that. And um, but the lads would like good, and that's why I said he was very good in bringing in the right sort of player who would sort of not only uh, try and improve on the pitch, but it's very important to bring the right player into the into the dressing room. I've been in dressing rooms before and. You bring one bad, one bad egg in, and that's, this is not at QPR. This is just general. In, in, in when I was playing football, one bad player, one bad egg, and it's not even about being a bad player. One bad egg, egg can bring a few with him, and then it all goes. But it surely can also, don't ever, doesn't everyone else turn on the bad egg? Uh, or well, is it not that simple? No, you do, and you just sort of try and ignore him. But once you once well, that's a Stewie Taggart. Once you uh, yeah, once you once you get a few with him, it's, it's difficult to stop. But hey, you know so this, this happens. This happens in football. But back back to the question: great lads, great team spirit, and like you said, we weren't on massive money. And when you're sort of hungry to sort of do well and and improve, and the manager was very sort of keen on on telling you to get better, to get better, get better. You know, we had a lot of meetings, sometimes too many meetings about, yeah. about talking. We always had that joke. About, we got a meeting. What about a meeting? Yeah. <laughs> it's like we have, we, Ian Holloway loved a meeting. It was like sometimes we would actually think, we've got another meeting. What are we having a meeting about? But it always, would always end it on like something funny or a high yeah. where you'd all laugh when you're coming out. Then he was happy to go onto the training pitch then. He was quite clever in what he did. Yeah. You know what he was doing? Very serious and then he'd end it being the Ollie that, you know, the fancy and stuff, but... You know, that's that's where he's, he's very clever. His man management and the way he used to get the team and manage the team together, get the spirit going. Even not just the players, all the staff, they all loved him. And you wanted to work and play for him. Kevin, you mentioned that um, Ollie kind of said to you to try and get everyone together uh, for team spirit when you were there. Um, do you think that's important for this season and the current team? Do you think there's anyone at the club can, who can perform that role? Or is it, or is it a case of getting those kind of characters in? Well, I think you have to do your homework when you're, when you're buying players, if, if they're the right character. That's, that's a definite. And there should be, I'm sure there's background checks on, on everyone because it's nothing new. When you're working at a football club in recruitment, whatever, the first thing people say, what's he like as a bloke? Now, if they, everyone says, no, nah, don't touch him, he's a bad bloke, then it's usually, it's a no-no. But... Going forward as uh, QPR, yeah, definitely, definitely have to um, 
<laughs> definitely have to do background checks. And at the end of the day, you can be quiet off the pitch and not really socialise, and that's not a problem. It doesn't matter as long as you're doing the business on the pitch and you work for your team and your team teammates respect you on the pitch. Because if you don't respect your teammates on the pitch, you won't go out drinking with them off the pitch or go bowling or want to be with them. Right, a, a question for both of you separately. Lee, what's your favourite QPR game and the reason for that? Uh, my favourite QPR game was my debut. Um, it happened to be against Brentford, which was a good one to have at, at home. Full house. We went derbies then. Um, I remember when I come in because uh, Ollie was they were talking about sacking him. We just lost to Vauxhall Motors, I think, in the FA Cup. And oh, the whole room goes Yeah, no, like, I had a call and I, I, was at, I was still at Watford and they called me on Thursday and um, Ray Lewton called me in and was like, look, I don't know if he's going to be manager, but they've come in for you on loan. Like, I know it's your club. Do you want to go? And I was like, well, of course I want to go. He was like, well, I'll, de- I'll get a recall like, thingy on you because I'm not sure what's going to happen there sort of thing. And then the next game was the Brentford game and we drew that game and I f- we played quite well, actually. Yeah, we and then after then we we picked up a little bit, and then he was fine. And then from then on, it it was it was it was, you know, a decent season. Got to the final, of the playoffs in the end. And unfortunately for me, he used that callback clause, and I had to go back. Um, so I missed the, the playoffs. But yeah, I mean, since since that day, Brentford at home. I mean, all my family came. My, my dad was dad tears, granddad had tears. It was just a big day for for my family, really. And Kevin, as as a Rangers fan, as a child. Um, what's it like? See, the thing is, we'll never experience that, all of us here, unless you're Lee Cook or Kevin Gallon. But to support the club and actually walk out with that shirt on, how much pride did you feel at that time? There's actually been so many games that I can look back on playing for QPR and thinking, well, that was a good one, that was a good one. And everyone will say, have their different opinion playing at. I mean, I was so fortunate to make my debut at Old Trafford. As everyone knows, that was just a massive moment. The Sheffield Wednesday game, um, the Chelsea at home. Just, there's just so so many. I can't really pick one out. So, but I, I can't really answer that. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was just uh, a question I asked Lee Hughes as well. I mean, we've all seen what Leicester have done this season. Breath of fresh air, I think, for football in general. Could you ever see that happening to Rangers if we get our act together? <laughs> oh, I don't think rapping again anywhere. Right. I think that. So, yeah, I think you're right. It could be a one-off. Yeah, I think it's a one-off. But so I mean, that, it's a similar size club, if you like, and 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 I mean, I think every every club their size is thinking, God, if only we got this player. And that maybe if only uh, you know we hadn't let one of our players go to Leicester, that might have helped. But um, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> I think what they've done well is. They've, they've they've signed some really good players. I mean, if you if anyone thinks they just signed Vardy, that he was no one. Everyone in the championship at that stage was after Jamie Vardy. They were. I remember my brother Joe was at Millwall, and they weren't playing that weekend. The international, and he said, "Where?" I said, "Where are you going?" He goes, "I'm going to Fleetwood to watch this player." He came back. He said to Millwall, "Sign him." They didn't have the money. Leicester. Fortunately for them, they had the money and it's been a success. But the signing of Mares, the signing of Kante is just, that's just unbelievable signings. And whoever is in charge of their head of recruitment has to take a mass, and the manager at the time who signed them has to take a massive round of applause because those signings have just been fantastic. They've rode their luck. They haven't had that many injuries, but people, will, they'll say, well, we've managed them so well. Our 
physio department and our fitness department is that good. Like I keep hearing that the Tottenham manager trains them twice a day and Ranieri's giving them two days two days off a week. And there were stories in um, in February, March when there was international weekend, he's giving them twelve a week off, ten days off. It's worked. So is that, I mean, treating players as grown-ups, does that, does that work? Oh, Didn't definitely. We? I mean, the last thing, I remember Jerry Francis, oh, my first trip to Sweden, yeah, pre-season, 1994, Jerry Francis said, lads, you can go out whenever you want. Not a problem. Do what you want, do what you want. But I'm just letting you know, at 8 o'clock in the morning, in that 30-degree heat, I'm running your bollocks off. <laughs> so when you wanted that extra drink, you're like thinking, oh, I don't think that's a good idea. Because he'd put you on the line and you'd suffer, so and he'd know. So he, he treated us like men, and same with most good managers, they treat you like men. And w- when you get treated like that, you don't take the mick. Seeing as we're asking a non-QPR question, I'm going to jump in with another slight non-QPR question and about managers. England, the summer, Lee, if I'm not mistaken, you played under Roy Hodgson. Yes. So give us what, what, tell us briefly, what's he like... As a manager, and how do you think the England players will respond to him in the tournament? Sorry, Paul, the Northern Ireland fan. Um, well, I don't think the England players have responded to him um, yet. I mean, we, we seem to in qualifiers be the best team ever, but we're playing a load of pony. And the second, <laughs> second we play anyone good, then we we see what you know what it's all about. Um, you know, for me, when I played with him, I was with him for six months, training with him every day, and his training was quite boring. It was it was patting a play every day against no one, um, and a few players weren't having him. But he, he, there's there's nothing you can't. His record speaks for itself. Wherever he's gone, he's done well. So he's the England manager. Um, but the Euros coming up, I'm I'm not excited about him whatsoever. Unfortunately, <laughs> to be honest, to I'm be being honest. honest. If I'm being, I'm being totally yeah. honest, can I just say something? As long as he plays Vardy up front with Kane, I'm happy. If we if, if we I'm qualify, in. by the way, we get England. In the um, next round, so um, I'm I'm quite hopeful. Then don't think we need to worry about that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I forgot you were going. To be honest, um, oh, oh, harsh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll throw the questions open to the floor in one second. I wanted to ask you both a question about each other. In your own ways, you are. QPR legends for things that you've done. Lee, of course, on the pitch, but you're best known for... not Sorry, not best known, but your gesture yeah. of giving back your signing-on fee has kind of given you legendary status and what you did for the club. Kevin, you're a QPR fan. I believe only eight players, eight QPR players, played more times for the club than you. I think only a handful of players scored more goals than you. Four or five players scored more goals than you. So you're both legends in your own way Lee for those for the people that are listening because we've got a lot of young fans and you haven't played for several years I want to know what you think about each other as players and (laughs) (laughs) this can get really awkward and like describe kind of you know the types of players each each one is so Lee Kevin Leon Kevin first well Kevin's a few years older than me as you can tell (laughs) so I used to go and watch him uh, when I was about 15 and obviously he was one of, he was one of my favourite players actually so he was like when I first signed for Rangers um, and I trained the first day I remember ringing my dad up and talking about training with Kev um, and about how good I thought he was and he actually is as good as what we thought he was 
Um, he's a bit slower than what he was when we used to go and watch him. <laughs> but obviously his touch and the, his finishing was was great to watch, especially training days. That's when you see players at their, their best, really, because you're training every, in every day and you see them in different types of games, finishing and shooting, little games. And, you know, watching him finish the ball, his touch, it's just a joy to play with because as a, as a wide player, you need a decent number 10 centre-forward to play to bounce off. And I knew whenever I was giving the ball, I was going to get it back. You know, as I've dropped further down since I turned 30 and dropped down, that's when you notice the difference when you play with not very good quality. And like Kev, you don't get the ball back. And then you might think you've had a quiet game, but really it's because you're not playing with the like, players like Kev that make you look, make you look better. And Kev, this is what do you think of Lee? <laughs> <laughs> He's shaking his hand there. No, I, I remember Lee came and I remember the, 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 your um, debut against Brentford because you put a cross in and Birch, you scored a header. That's right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, but Lee, you came and then what, what, when did you, I know you said you'd leave. I can't remember because I sort of remember you left and then yeah. we brought in Kevin McLeod straight yeah. away, yeah. which you'd done really well. For that, for a few mm. seasons, but then when you came back that summer, when we got promoted, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He, he was like totally different because he, when he first came, he was he Quite was a skinny. little bit skinny, yeah, a bit like, didn't have much power, but he had the skill. He came back and he was stronger and he was a lot better. And literally every season, he got better and better and better. And you sort of like, like he said, any centre forward, <laughs> the ball would come up to you, you bounce it to Lee. And you just run in the box, trying to get it commonly. Because Lee would just... He wasn't the quickest, but he could manoeuvre the ball. He could manoeuvre it. You don't have to be the quickest. John Robertson at Nottingham Forest, for all you old people. He didn't... <laughs> I watched him. He, he didn't He didn't sprint past people. But what he did, he could just shift it to one side and put a cross in. Lee could shift it either side, put a cross in, or have a shot. And he was very good, excellent like that, because he had the skill and the touch to do that. Now, not every player is... Like I'm not. You would admit you're not like a Ryan Giggs could just knock it and run now. Yeah, no, it was like that's it. But he had the skill just to more like a Weggerly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, like a, yeah, yeah but that's a good <laughs> note. But Lee was like excellent at you know bouncing off him, getting the box, and he'd deliver a cross. And his crossing was excellent. His free kicks, his set pieces were good. And it's just unfortunate that like, you, you got sort of a knee injury quite like quite young. Yeah, yeah. So. Forgetting that, what is each other's worst habits? Forget all the nice things. Let's get into the... I don't know. I don't know. They're not married. <laughs> <laughs> well, they must have... I mean, that, that's scored by Holloway. We didn't live together. No. So, all right, who, who, would, who was your best roommates and your worst roommates then, would you say? Who did you room with? Um, I roomed with a few people. Jamie Curran and I roomed with. He was quite yeah. good, actually. The worst one I ever had was at Watford called Lloyd Doyley, his name was. You might have heard of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 His tongue's longer than that pint. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> how do you know that? How do you know that? I'll tell you how I know, because he used to snore in the bedroom, and as he used to snore, his tongue used to flap. <laughs> <laughs> so it would be like a snore, and then a flap, snore, and then a flap. And one night I had to go and sleep in the bath, because it was that bad. I took my pillow and my blanket in the bath. How that did you play the next day? I can't remember. I don't know. Decent, I suppose. Yeah. I had loads of... I'd... That era, I was always with Birchie, and it was good fun, to be fair. Just, yeah, just talking naps, listening to nonsense and talking nonsense. <laughs> we actually, it was always never, like, a moody... It was never a moody one. I'm just trying to think who was my... Um, 
I used to share with Bradley Allen when I first got in the team. And then it's a weird one because, you know, it's, you, sh- you get so used to staying overnight on a Friday, it's just, just getting, just lying in your bed. It's a bit bad. I'd miss it now a little could, bit. Like, you used to like want a room with a certain person, and then, like, if so, I remember what sometimes some managers say, No, I want to mix the rooms up, and you're like, yeah. oh, Don't mix the rooms up. <laughs> like, I yeah, might be with a snorer or someone like boring or something. I didn't just, agree with that because you want a room with someone, and then people, some certain players get on better than certain mm. other players. And if they say, Oh, you're rumoured him, you're rumouring him, and you're like, well, I'm not really just going to sit there and not talk. <laughs> I remember I, I roomed with Paul Furlan once and all he did was put his headphones on and watch a DVD. I was like, <laughs> first, just, hello? <laughs> Nothing. Just like lying there watching these dinners. It's the worst thing. He obviously didn't like to hear me. <laughs> my, my first ever one was Steve Palmer, who we ended up signing. I was 17 at Watford and I travelled with the first team and Graham Taylor put me with him because he was the most experienced. And... Um, he opened the window for the whole night and I was freezing my nuts off. But I didn't want to say nothing because, you know, I was a young kid, so I didn't want to, like, get up and close the window in case he wanted it open. So I just froze for well, nine hours in bed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, you're like this one, God rest his star, Alan MacDonald. But um, I remember we went to uh, a match and uh, uh, we went to... He took me... Him and Mark Hately took me to a Glasgow Rangers Celtic match. And I remember Mark Haitley had to share with him. And he said it was the worst experience of his life. He said the place, he said the room, all he could see every half hour was a red dot. (laughs) And smoke everywhere. (laughs) Every half hour he'd be smoking. And then I went to Dave Bards. Bards, because he's just constantly wake up in the middle of the night and just see a red dot in the air. <laughs> he used to smoke at half time. When, yeah, he was, yeah. when he was assistant, you'd come in at half time and Macca would be having a fag in the toilet. He used to, be, he used to do that when he was playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. <laughs> Bruce Roy, Bruce Riot came in when he was in charge and he, and he, he smelt the smoke. And he went, whoa, betide. This is how um, Bruce Riot was like a headmaster. Whoa, betide the man I find smoking in these, in these, in these toilets. And we were all looking at Macca giving out. Bit, you've been rumbled, mate. And it was like, yeah, he used to have a, a cigarette at half time. It was just unbelievable. Um, Ian, Ho- like Ian Holloway seemed like like really popular with the players. Have you got? Uh, did he ever play a prank on the squad? Or have you, if not, um, what's like the funniest memory you have from Holloway's reign in charge? <laughs> I'm not saying that one. <laughs> You're Go thinking on. the same one. There's no that. one listening. I tell you what, I will say it. Do you remember that one? No, go on. The one before Hull. The one before Hull. Yeah. They're now conferring about whether oh, yeah. whether they yeah, can yeah, tell yeah. this story. Oh, you say it. And Lee has been nominated oh, to say it. Oh, it's Bam McGuskey. Very rude. Better not. No. Very rude. I tell you what. Isn't he better? No, we'll tell you all afterwards. Obviously, you'll both keep your fans. There's not, there's, there's, uh, not many keep your fans in the team now, if any. Although Sebastian Poulter gives it a good go on Twitter. Um, I was just going to say, who is your favourite QPR player? Each of you, at the moment? Oh no, of all, all time. I mean, when you're growing up. Well, let's oh. do both. All time and at the moment. At the moment. At the moment, Ali falling because he's my, he's my pal and I enjoy watching him play. No, we love. Been so unfortunate with injuries, but. What a talent. And uh, I just hope 
he gets more of a chance to get his get his fitness going, and I think he could do well for us again next year if he if he gets the uh, option to. So, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, and all time mm, oh, from the clips I see, it's Rodney Marsh for me. Controversial, but that's it. That's You've just devoted the room. Well, no, I mean everyone says Stanley to me, but from all the clips I've seen, Rodney's just too good. Too good. Why is that controversial? No, no, it's not well, no, no. Oh, see, for me, growing up, Trevor Sinclair was was my man. Yeah, yeah. Ken, uh, now I suppose I, I like Ali Fallin. I think he's a really good passer. I like Clint Hill because. He sort of comes in from the cold and he comes in and then it's like it's pretty much the best defender for me when he comes in. And then he goes out again and he's, they must put him in the ice chamber for a couple of months <laughs> and then they bring him out again when they need him and he always steps up to the plate. So he's been good all time. I mean, I, I never actually got... Obviously, we never got to see Rodney or Stan. I mean, I remember actually watching Stan play for Brentford. I think because my dad used to say, well, Stan's playing at Brentford... Let's go, if QPR were too far away, we'll go and watch Stan. Jerry Francis, obviously, I think, you know, to, to actually, you know, when I was a kid and he was my first manager, as a, when I turned up at QPR at 16 and he was the manager, he was like very in awe of him. And then he, you'd, he'd come and join in, join in and train and he was still an excellent player. He was, he was like really good. But then I was sort of, my time was the 80s and players like John Byrne, Bannister... Stainrod, Clive Allen, Terry Fennick, those sort of players, and then sort of went through, and Alan McDonald, and then Steve Morrill. Yeah. <laughs> Who were I mean, you in the Ray, playground? Ray, Wil- Ray Wilkins was just Wegley. He's mentioned it. That there were so many. I used to love Wegley when I was like 13, 14. Ray Wilkins was probably the best player I ever played with or trained with. He was just couldn't really run, but his just his passing, his vision, his attitude. Was just brilliant. Les Ferdinand, it's great to play up front with him. Was just an awesome centre forward. I, w- I wouldn't pick out one. I'm more sort of you know you're talking eighties, nineties, that sort of type. There's so many. We have so many good players. I probably missed out a few, but I'm not going to pick out one. I'd love to get Stainrod on the podcast. To be fair, yeah, it would be good. And G- Gary Bannister is definitely a must for next season. Uh, anybody here want to ask a question? To the guys. Yes. When you get a bad injury, yeah, you've got your, your injury at Portsmouth, when that broke my heart, you've got that. Broke my knee. <laughs> <laughs> when you come back to play, how much does it play on your mind? It did a lot. Because so, d- just let me repeat the question okay. so they can hear it. It was, when you get a bad injury, um, how much does that play on your mind when you come back? Yeah, massively because you're you're very you're very wary of um, of getting a tackle and and once once you get that tackle again or first tackle and you you can come through it you're like on top of the you're on top of the moon you're like yeah I'll come through that so you're always sort of worried but yeah definitely you don't like you're training for like six, well when I come back I was training for six or seven weeks. But it, it's nothing like a match. As soon as you get whacked in a match, it's a lot, it's a lot different. And uh, and it can give you a bit of a shock. So, yeah, I was always aware as time goes on, you just you just get on with it again. 
Hi, 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 Kev. Uh, hi, Lee. Um, as two legends and so QPR supporters as well, um, I was just wondering, um, as uh, the ground issue, uh, we hear so many stories about um, we're getting the ground, we're not getting the ground, we're getting a training ground, we're not getting a training ground. Uh, talking about Loftus Road, my, I would like to know from both of you, as supporters and legends, what do you actually feel about um, losing Loftus Road as our base all our life? And, and do you think that we could fill a 40,000 stadium? Um, Be honest. Probably not. 40,000, probably not. Um, it's a difficult one because moving forward, we probably do need to go and get, new, get a new stadium because everyone else has done it, apart from us, really, at the minute. Um, your Southamptons, Leicesters, all them sort of teams. Um, but we do we, we know obviously what, what the atmosphere is like down there when we're going and for, for as a fan as supporters it'd be difficult to leave there very difficult I think we all know that but I think if we're brutally honest and the club going forward if you know we do get back up into the premiership I think it's it's a foregone conclusion we're going to need a new ground so I th- think it's something we're just going to have to come to terms with we're going to lose a little bit of that that atmosphere but I think in the end it's down to us and, and you guys as supporters to when it does eventually happen to make the atmosphere as, as similar as it was so we can do. Kev, you yeah. said yourself on Twitter today that you love Loftus Road so how do you feel about the prospect of the club moving at some point? I understand progress and, and this, that and the other. I just would like to ask anyone who's in charge why can't why can't we put why can't we put another like level on the Ellerslie Road? Why can't we buy the houses? Surely the houses can be bought. People say that's oh, not possible. Why not? Why can't it be possible? Put another seven thousand, get twenty five thousand seater at QPR. Why not at Loftus Road in West London? I think that's a possibility. Why not? I don't think there's no reason why we can't. Why? I, I love Loftus Road. We all do. And, and I understand. And if that can't happen, I think that should be the first point of, uh, of view is, can we extend the school end? Surely we can buy the school behind. Surely we can extend um, uh, Ellerslie Road. Why not? Why not? I don't know. Is it, uh, is it about... Is it about... Is it about a housing deal or is it about QPR? I'm a bit... I don't think it's about us so much now. I mean, we've got to think about the new breed of supporters coming through. Like, my, when I finally have kids, I want, you know, in, when they get to, you know, 10, 11, I'm going to start taking them to football and they know where they're going. They're going to need to be, where everyone else is doing it, we're going to need to, to be up there with them and doing the same thing. We, no one's going to like it, but that's what we're going to have to do, unfortunately. That's, that's my opinion on it. I'm not sure. I what Danny got it. I'm not sure what Lee was saying about about this, about this. But, but I, I, I don't want in, QPR uh, to come out of West London. Oh like, no, no, definitely not. There's there's sites where we can stay there. There, mm. there definitely is. But I just think if we're going to move forward and be a, uh, an established Premiership side um, in years to come, I'm not talking you know in the next four or five years. I mean like you know future future. We need a new, we need a new ground. We do need a new ground. Sandy. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks for coming, guys. Um, I was just wondering um, 
if you could tell us who your favourite manager that you played under, preferably QPR manager, but who would you say would be your best manager you played under? Okay, uh, well, I always go on um, <laughs> when I played my best football, which has been a bit selfish because uh, when you play your best football, I mean, I, I, my first manager was uh, Jerry Francis. I played some good stuff, and then Ray Wilkins took over, and I played some, you know, really good stuff under him. And then QPR would be Ian Holloway. It'd be, be-, be between Ian Holloway and, and Ray Wilkins, I'd say. And is that because they brought the best out in you? Yeah, I mean, uh, they both had a lot of faith in me. So once you get that sort of faith from a manager, it gives you a lot of confidence. So, you know, when you're like, as a player, you're thinking, if you have a bad game, you're going to get dropped. You're, like, nervous. But I, I remember when Ray Wilkins first came in, and I remember he, he sort of said to another member of staff, we, he, he trained us, we were playing Leeds on the Saturday, and he, tra- and, and he said to someone... Kevin's been poor in training and I'm like thinking well I, I don't think I'm going to play and we, and we ended up I ended up playing and I played really well scored I set up two for Les we won 3-1 or 3-0 against Leeds and I was just obviously like thinking right that's my chance I'm going to play the next game and once you get that momentum it's brilliant and with Ian Holloway yeah what we talked about before team spirit and, and all that he was at that stage of his career, he was he was brilliant. He was brilliant for me, and he was brilliant for a lot of players as well. Can I ask a stupid Sorry, question? Hang on, Lee hasn't answered. Oh yeah, no, <laughs> no. Obviously, Ollie was, you know, for for me, twenty one year old signing for them. Just things I had to go to court one day, and he turned up in a cab and picked me up and went with me. Just things like that, you know, showing that they care, man management, stuff that's, like that's that. That's different because I had to go to court with Ollie. Did you? That's what we do. We all go to court with each other. It's wicked. (laughs) Sorry, Lee, for jumping in. I do apologise. Lee, in in your time at Rangers, um, be honest, and you look at the squad now, do you kind of look at the players we had with yourself, Kevin, Gareth Ainsworth, all them sort of players that. Is it that togetherness, do you reckon, in the squad now? Will we ever get that again with local lads? And I oh know Gareth is not local. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's, there was a real togetherness then. That, that was a proper hashtag. Yeah, we obviously haven't got it now. Um, obviously. But yeah, we can get it. We can get it. And that all depends on the manager. That's how important they are. People think it's, you know, let's just pick a team and out you go. It's every, it's every little thing they do. Is down to the team, the team morale, the team spirit, the way you play, you're attacking, you're defending, how are you setting your team up, how do you manage your players? It's such a huge job, and we've we've been at ranges where we had probably the best at doing it. I mean, on a on like we've already mentioned the low budget, the f- the fact that Jimmy's coming in, he's got a good owner, obviously a new uh, director of football which we we needed, and obviously everyone's. Like few about that because it was bad before. I mean, the things that this club have done in the past five years in that sense has been just ridiculous, embarrassing. He's come in, thank God, that's going to change. And Jimmy's coming in, and like I've said before, he's the type of manager, these, these players that he signs, they're going to want to play for him, and I think he will get that spirit back at the club. Um, but like I said, we need to give him time, so let's not let's not be too hasty and jump on his back because next season might not be great either. But we just need to; it's going to take time to build it. 
Um, I've got a question about the, the crowd. We just touched on this earlier on. Is it the player's job to get the crowd going or is it the crowd's job to get the players going? There's always, there's always a, a conversation in the changing room and Ian Holloway and Kenny Jackett was there and they always sort of said, you know, it goes both ways. You put a tackle in in the first 30 seconds, 40 seconds, the crowd get going. So it's a bit of both, really. Once the, if the crowd's not going up, you've got to get them going. So how, how do you do that? What, well, do, is it with tackles? Is it with well, like? We, I remember we played against uh, Wigan, and we said to Gareth Ainsworth, "Did you play that game, Gareth?" We said to Gareth Ainsworth, "Gareth, I was taking centre. I said, Gareth, I'm going to ping that ball on Leighton Baines' head, and you're going to go and smash him." <laughs> <laughs> but fairly, and he did, and he concussed him. <laughs> <laughs> And it got everyone going. And they, it did. Didn't get did. him going. But the only problem was he didn't elbow him. Or it wasn't anything dirty. He just, you know, Gareth was a strong, a strong bloke. Yeah. We chipped it up onto the, his left half and Gareth was like a raging bull. Just <laughs> cleaned, cleaned him out. He got taken off. And then the crowd were going. Mm-hmm. So it was a bit of... It always is a bit of both. Because sometimes the fans are up for uh, games. You know, derby games. You don't have to get them going. It just happens. But there's, there's other games when... There's always the tough games for QPR when I played for QPR was the teams you're expected to beat because the fans are a little bit, oh, we should beat these, and that's the hardest games. Lee, can't let you go without asking you about the signing-on fee story. There's, over the years, there's been a few sort of tales have cropped up about it. In front of us, in front of the live audience, explain the story of what happened with the signing-on fee. The story goes a little bit like this. <laughs> <laughs> so Johnny Palladini rings me up one day and says, right, I'm going to Ascot Races, shall we go? I said, yeah, let's go. We get in the van, down there we go with my agent. We get on it, we get pissed. Johnny says to me, Fulham have come in for you, but I don't want to sell you. I'm going to sell you because we need the dough. So I get sold. They ring back up and say, um, Lee, we love you to sign. Johnny's just haggling over a couple of million quid, but we really want you. Can we do it? I rung Johnny up and said, what's the problem? He said, they're not paying enough money. The fans will kill me if I sell you for two and a half million. I said, he said, we've got to give what for 15%. We've got to give you 10%. I said, keep my 10%. Uh, would that help? He said, let's do it. Done. Brilliant. Short version. You sound like a man who's told that story a lot. But it's... it's, it's um, <laughs> Absolutely true. Then it's all one hundred percent true. You you, yep. you gave back your signing fee. I mean, I think. Well, I think the the fee itself would have been enough to keep the club going for a bit. Um, you know, we were massively in debt at the time, but I think that would probably kept us going for a month or something. What more than that. But um, yeah, so my <laughs> my little bit probably didn't do anything, but it just felt like it's the right thing. Yeah. Um, so if in a few years you're skint and we're solvent, are you going to come knocking on the door of Loftus Road or wherever we are and uh, any chance? Yeah, well, like way? I've said, I'm in the Crown and Scepter on Saturday, <laughs> yeah. so... You're buying everyone I'll buy a Jager bar. I'll buy a back. OK, um, thank you very much for your time. I want to finish off by asking you both um, about your predictions for next season, what you think will happen, what you want to see happen as fans, and start with... Lee, uh, we've got to aim for the playoffs. Um, whether we get there or not, I'm not entirely convinced. Um, depending on the summer activity, who we bring in, 
who we, we sell. Um, but I think every team in the championship, when the season starts, I mean, you look at the teams that are below us at the minute, you've got Wolves, Blackburn, Reading, Forest, they're big clubs and they're all below us. They might have played some better football than us, but at the end of the day, the league table, don't know. they're still below us. They're going to be coming for it strong as well. Um, but we have to aim for the playoffs. Simple. Kev? Yeah, always, always when you start a season, that's what you aim for is to try and get promoted. If, unless you're a team that's coming, uh, coming up, you're just thinking about survival. But all depends on the summer uh, recruitment. I, always, I keep talking about it. You've got to get the right players in. Last season, I don't think we got the right players in. It showed this season. I think we signed 13 players. They still, for me, I've got a lot to do in a QPR shirt. Hopefully we can get it right uh, in the summer because at the end of the day, what, what the fans want and what we all want is to see QPR doing well. We want to be entertained. We want to, see, we want to come home from a match watching QPR, three points, or thinking, well, the team really had a go there unlucky not to win we got a draw and they battled well that's all we want but you know always got to aim for the playoffs it all depends I, I really do think what kind of what kind of players we bring in and I think if you look at look at every team that's near the top of the table in any league they've always got a goal scorer and we need to sign someone who can get 15 to 20 20 pardon well, play two uh, up front, I, I mean, I think, I, you know, I, I think that's an option, especially at Loftus Road because the pitch is so tight. You don't really need that man, extra man in midfield because you can bypass it. The year we got promoted against uh, with Neil Warnock, people say it was just Helgerson up front, but Tarapt had a free roll. We went long to, to Helgerson and then the ball dropped to the players up front and the players up front were that good. Tarapt that season was phenomenal. Mackie was excellent. They could score goals and they could do the business in the last third. But if that's, I, I'm not sure which way Jimmy wants to play, one up front, two up front. But I think sometimes you've got to be flexible and you've got to have a plan A and a plan B. And uh, against certain teams, you play one up front and certain, uh, if they're really good in midfield, you pack the midfield out. So, but hey, got to go home in a minute. Can't talk about it all night. <laughs> but no, playoffs and definitely needs some goal scorers. Definitely. Right. This is the end of the podcast, chaps. I'm sorry. Um, Lee and Kevin, seriously, you come from a QPR generation when we had nothing but hope and you give us dreams. We cannot thank you enough for the dreams you both gave us as QPR fans. Seriously, people, these guys played for our club, they support our club, and they're part of our history. Please thank them. But also, can I just also thank every single one of you that download our podcast, I get the words out, every week, because without you, we're nothing. And we're so thankful that you listen to us talk rubbish week after week, no matter how bad the season is. Thank you so much, and please keep supporting us, because we need you guys, and thanks for coming tonight. Really appreciate it. (laughs) 